0: Well, we're about uh, four minutes before we're supposed to start, but uh, let's just go ahead and uh, do some preliminaries. I'm always fascinated by people who are interested in parasites, <laughs> so you all are an elite group. Uh, who can tell me why they're interested in parasites here? Someone tell me a reason you came to this, this room today. We're know how to treat them. You want to know how to treat them, all right. Yeah, they're stealing the food that we provide. Okay, so there's nutritional other things related to parasites. Some Others there? If you find out how to get the tapeworm, <laughs> All right. Okay. Others? Well, it's not only the nutritional, but it's the mental uh, capacity then to learn. Okay. the parasitic worms are draining the body, then they they have to have that to function. Mm -hmm. It's a holistic thing. Okay, so the point of uh, some deprivations uh, related to diseases that uh, don't give young people in particular a chance to reach their full capacity, mentally, studying, these types of things. What other things? Other reasons you want to know about parasites. Make sure I don't miss them. Okay. Make sure you don't miss them. So they're are around if you're uh, especially if you're in the developing world. Others? Most efficient way to treat them. Okay, efficient ways to treat them. Well identification. Because identification. Yes, uh-huh. because there's uh whipworm. Right, 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 right. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, let me just say by way of preliminary, since we've only got 50 minutes together, uh, I won't be doing much about therapy. Uh, part of the, the challenge is within a, just a very confined space of time to see what you can cover. And so mostly what I'm going to do is have a fairly visually intensive uh, uh, In fact, we may may decide that we want the lights out. You can decide if you want. Somebody can just hit hit the lights off if they think it's needful. Uh, But um, I'll be going through a a series of pictures. This will be kind of Parasitology 101. And uh, run through a a set of stories, scenarios, mostly very basic. And uh, we're using this uh, audience response system. If you don't have one, uh, would like to have a clicker. There's still a few up there front. If, you, if anybody doesn't have one, just raise your hand and we'll get somebody to hand you out one. Or, um, and uh, I'm only going to give you like 10 seconds to respond, so you don't, don't think too deeply about this. Uh, if you decide that you don't know, that's fine. The reason we use the audience response uh, is because it has it, it two advantages, I think. One is nobody knows that you didn't get it right. And if you get it right, you can go, yay. <laughs> <laughs> and it kind of reinforces that. Once you make a commitment to something, uh, you, you, the learning is reinforced if you see that the answer was right. So you're, we're asking you to commit yourself to whatever you think it is, and and we'll find out about the uh, degree of training that you've had uh, as we go through. Okay, we're going to uh, start, this is the first uh, breakout session of the conference, and so I'm excited to see you all here. Welcome. Uh, on behalf of the conference, I don't know that I have any authority, but you're welcome. <laughs> so um, my name is Sam Palpent and I teach at uh, University of Washington uh, campus in Spokane, teach microbiology and I also work at a residency training program and I've spent uh, some time overseas and do traveling with uh, Christian Medical and Dental Association, so that's my kind of background. Um, as we go through some of these uh, things, I want to just mention that I've taken some materials from other people. Some of them is, are public, uh, publicly available. If you want to search for these things, you can uh, find them often. Uh, but uh, some are from our personal uh, images from friends, and those I'm, I, I don't have the privilege of sharing these publicly, so I didn't post this on the uh, the website. So that's the reason. So let's begin with a question on your audience clickers, and there may not be enough for everybody. As others come in, maybe you'll, if you see somebody without a clicker, you can just share if you're two of you together. But let's say, what training do you have in parasitology? You can just uh, put your uh, experience up there. Some of you, I know there's people here who have had decades of experience in the field, so you uh, will be there. Let's just see how... That turns out, okay, so we got a lot of people got their college micro course. That's good. And then we've got some people, about 20%, who've had a lot of field experience. So those people may want to throw in some ideas. They may want to throw in a perspective. I'm going to ask that you don't wait until the, uh, until the very end to ask your questions. Bring them in right away. If you're on the outside and you don't get a good view of the screen, feel free to move into the inside here. Okay, so what I'm going to start with is a principle. One of the things that is a struggle for young people, it's a, particularly in medical school, people are overwhelmed by information. And one of the very, very powerful tools that I've learned that has helped me a great deal is to learn using dendritics. And if you like what God does... He's big into dendritics. That means branching patterns. You see them in trees. Trees are a dendritic up and a dendritic down, double dendritics. Your body is loaded with dendritics. Your brain is a dendritic central nervous system or peripheral nervous system, another dendritic. Your arteries, your veins, your lungs, your kidneys. God likes this. And so one of the things about it is that if you take any question and you break it up into Five or less categories. Just use that as a beginning point, and then you can build those dendritics as they get more and more complicated. You'll add to them. So, here's the basics of parasitology there's five types of parasites, and we're going to show you some pictures that will include uh, categories, I mean, examples from each one of these categories. So, the protozoa, single cell organisms, the nematodes, or roundworms. The cestodes and the, tape, uh, and the and the trematodes are both flatworms. These ones are segmented. These ones are not segmented. And then you've got ectoparasites. So at the end of this session, I would really be happy if every one of you can just go bang, 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 bang. Those are the parasites. And if that's all you take away from this, it'll be great. Here's the pictures that help you to reinforce some of those things. The protozoa are single cells. The worms like ascaris, tapeworms, long, segmented, flukes, and ectoparasites, ticks and fleas. Okay, so I'm going to ask you four mystery questions. And this will help me to get to know what you know about parasitology. So here's our four mystery questions to start with. What helminths play worm ball in the intestines of children? So this is just a little bit of a curved ball, if you will. But these worms make a big ball in the intestine of kids, and it causes some disease. So throw in your ideas there. All right, let's see what people think. Okay, 44%, so almost half got the right answer. So ascaris is this large round worm that balls up in the, in the intestines of kids. All right, so let's try another question. What parasite causes bloating, belching, bad egg smell, diarrhea, but no fever? So we got some some suggestions up there. This is one of the advantages of classroom—you get to multiple choice, which in the field doesn't happen, right? But this is the way we're going to do it here. All right, let's see what people thought there. Oh. 66%. Wow. Correct. Alright. What parasites make a hole in the liver? Okay, so we're just trying to build these little paradigms that say if you see this thing, if you see a CT scan, if you see a ultrasound and there's a big hole in the liver, you might want to think about a couple parasites. So here's some choices of some things that could be there. Okay, let's see what people think. Alright, so there was a most people went with liver fluke and leptospirosis. Well let's talk briefly about this one, because that that took most people. What kind of organism is leptospirosis? Anybody wanna throw that answer out? It's a spirochete and it is not a parasite. Right? So that was a tricky one. I just kind of threw in something there that wasn't really, an, if, you, if, you, if you're asked which parasite and one of the answers is not a parasite, it's going to be wrong, right? <laughs> so, so the liver flukes uh, cause obstruction in the biliary tree, so the bile ducts and such, those things can happen with liver flukes, but they don't usually cause a hole in the liver. This 15% here got the right answer. Those are the things that make holes in the liver. And you, we'll show you some examples. So as we go through the talk, I'm going to see what your attention is of these four uh, asbestos. Okay, so here's our last mystery question. What, cause, what causes vaginitis with a frothy discharge and strawberry cervix? So we got some choices there. All right, we'll see what people think. Oh, good. All right, so people got that one. That's the relatively easy one, and we'll see, we'll see some pictures of that, too. Okay, so let's start out with some basics. Parasites are around, and they're in the environment in a variety of places, and, and sometimes places you don't expect them. But they, they would be in the market. But you go to buy things. They're going to be in food uh, supplies that you would find right here on this market in Nicaragua. Um, These two kids are in Nicaragua as well. And one of them has a significantly higher risk of parasites than the other. The shoes. Yeah. So these... Which... Here's a a little closer shot. Shows that the one kid has shoes and the other does not. So here's a question. Which of the following parasites passes through the skin without an arthropod bite? So an arthropod would be like a mosquito. Which of these parasites passes through the skin without an arthropod bite? So those two kids are equally at risk for arthropod bite-borne diseases, right? So, which ones will pass through without an arthropod bite? All right, let's see what people said. All of the above is correct. Wow, that's impressive. 50% of you got that right. So, all of these pass directly through the skin. And the main risk for this, that child that you saw before was which one of these It's hookworm. Yeah, it's hookworm. That's the main risk. And so we'll see some pictures of hookworm in other settings. But that's one of the key things to remember about hookworm is that it passes through the skin. So here it is. comes out in the stool, incubates in the soil, and then comes right back through the skin. Finds its way in the lymphatics. Now here's a picture from Uganda showing the home setting with... Few creatures here that live right next door to the home, and those uh, are the animals that we live with. Also, have a part that they play in many life cycles of parasites. So, which of the following parasites comes from pigs? I'm I'm not telling you how they come or what what the pathogenesis of this is, but pick something that's associated with pigs. Let's see if we can come up with an answer. People thinking a little bit there. All right, let's see what they come up with. All right, very good. I'm impressed. One and four. So this one is in the meat. You eat that and you get trichinosis, which is which of the categories? Which, where does this fall in the parasites? Trichinosis. Any takers? Pardon? It's a nematode. Bingo. It's a tissue nematode, a tissue roundworm. So it, 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 it has the, the larval cyst in the meat. You eat the meat, and then you get trichinosis. If you become the pig, you get cystocercosis. We'll see some pictures of that. See if you recognize it when it comes up. So that means if we become the larval stage of the parasite instead of the adult form, which is trichinosis, we get cysticercosis, which is a very serious disease in a lot of places. How many have seen cysticercosis? Okay, this is one, uh, maybe you'll, you'll gain some uh, insight into this. Okay, so it's interesting, you think about germ theory It didn't come around for a long time after the Bible was written. But there's stuff in the Bible that's fascinating to look back at and see, right? We were talking about pigs. This is out of Deuteronomy, a long time ago. Designate a place outside the camp where you go to relieve yourself. As part of your equipment, have something to dig with. And when you relieve yourself, dig a hole and cover up your excrement interesting. I mean, why would, they, why would they even think of doing this? Like, say they, if, if I were there, I would say, why? You know, there's not, I mean, what's the point? The pig is also unclean. You're not to eat their meat or touch their carcasses. So it could have been a lot of people who were questioning why you should do something. But somehow God told his people, watch out, be careful. I'm telling you, there's some parasites. <laughs> All right, so here's one of the, this is a picture out of Asia. Can anybody tell me what this person is doing here? They've got a little bucket there, and you can see that they're throwing something out. Anybody know what's happening there? Okay, it's actually urine. It's the urine, it's a night collection of urine, and it's a great source of a Nitrogen. So they're fertilizing their lettuce, their their vegetable gardens with the nitrogen, natural source and natural things. Unfortunately, this fosters the life cycle of a number of parasites. So these are the reasons why we have rules about how how we uh, uh, handle our uh, waste products and also Things about washing our hands, which is one of the major uh, ways to prevent a lot of diseases, many, many diseases. Now, this is a little creative gadget. I don't know if any of you have seen something like this. But this is a, uh, here's the what the, we call a long drop. Do we, what do people say in other countries? The, the cho, the, the, the outdoor toilet there. And uh, if you can see, there's a little stick here. And there's a string it comes up, it's tied onto that corner of the jug, and then there's a wire here. So when that's sitting there, that jug is sitting up, and if you step on the stick, tips forward, and water comes out. Isn't that a creative solution? Just very, very nice. I love to see these things when people do something creative. So, there's parasites that are on the outside of our body. Those are the ectoparasites, the last finger, right? And there's the ones that are on the inside in the intestines. And there's also ones that get into the tissues in various ways. And strongyloides is a particular bad one because it's usually in the intestines, but it can spread to other places and cause a lot of significant symptoms. Um, Some parasites cause their disease by causing blockage. So here's the appendix with an ascaris worm climbing out the appendix. So that's that big worm, about six, seven inches long. It climbs out the appendix. It can climb up the biliary tree, gets in various places, forms a big ball, causes intestinal obstruction. So blockage of organs is one way parasites cause disease. Others just grow and make big cysts. Here's the hole in the liver. Does anybody remember a story about a hole in the liver? Echinococcus. Okay, so sometimes you see parasites and you just can't figure out what they are. you got to get the book out, right? So there are things like that for me still. I don't, uh, I'm, I'm baffled at times by what certain parasites, there's many, many of them. Before I go on to the rest of the cases, I would like to say a word here. Uh, I read in the introduction to our conference a, a, a very neat statement about the younger generation, i 'm the older generation, you can tell,. Right? The younger generation is going to be asking different questions. they 're going to be tackling different things. And it's not, what i 'm telling you is kind of it's been around for a long time. You know people have known about this stuff. What you 're going to be doing is very different. And let me tell you one of the things i 'm most excited about related to parasites. Some of what they do and some of their intent is not bad. In fact, it's critically good. And we have lost that benefit because we've wiped them out. So, I'm just challenging you. If you have an interest in parasites, think about this, and I'll just frame it in this way. The intestinal parasites for children, all your, your, the, the lymph nodes that are along the intestinal tract, are the early training grounds of your immune system. That's where your lymphocytes and all the immune system starts to learn, what's me and what's you? What's me and what's not me? And the parasites are actually the early tutors of that immune system for children. When that system gets distorted, there's a lot of things that happen. And I'm asking you to think about that and study it. Learn more about it, because it's it's going to come around. We're not going to keep killing all these parasites. Some of them are not so bad. Okay, so here's our series of cases that we're going to run through fairly quickly. Several children in the same family developed diarrhea after playing at a local water park. 200 cases were identified in the city. This happens over and over in the U.S. as well as other co- uh, countries in the world, both developed and developing countries. Which of the following is the most likely cause of this outbreak? So you've got polling is open there. You can choose your parasite. Cause of diarrhea related to water parks. Okay, let's see what people think. Oh, we got quite a spread there. Okay, so Giardia is uh, interesting because it is associated with water. But this is the correct answer, Cryptosporidium. Cryptosporidium is a very tiny parasite, protozoan in the first group. You'll see that I'm going to work my way through the, 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 from the thumb, which is the protozoa, Nematodes, and each time I'll tell you when we're transitioning. So all the next cases are all going to be protozoa. The cryptosporidium is tough to kill. It's resistant to standard chlorination. So that's the thing that makes it tricky. It's very, very difficult to get rid of. Very common cause of diarrheal outbreaks. And it's particularly bad for one group of people. Do you want to say who that is? Immune suppressed. I heard somebody over here say it. Yeah, immune-suppressed people. So AIDS patients would be a classic example of that. They get this, they get cryptosporidial disease, they've got a big problem. 26-year-old uh, female returns with chronic non-bloody diarrhea without fever after a summer in Russia. So did a mission trip to Russia. and parasite trichrome stain is shown. So I'm not going to ask you a lot about these kinds of things, but here's a, here's a parasite of some sort, and the interesting thing about this parasite, it's got a couple of eyes there. Okay, so the recommended treatment for this condition is? Oh, now this is a double question. This is what we, in an exam, if you're ever writing these things, this is a double step question. So I didn't ask you what that was. I said, I hope you recognized it. And if you did, do you know the treatment? So what's the standard treatment for this? Polling is open. Throw in your answer. All right, let's see what people thought. Oh, good. So who wants to say what that parasite was and why they chose metronidazole? Who got the answer right? Okay, why, what, was, what was it? It was Giardia. It was Giardia, good. And metronidazole is a common treatment for that, and there's other treatments for it, Tanidazole and others, but that's, a, that's the best answer that's up there. Okay. 24-year-old female has these motile organisms on a wet mount. So this means that these things are moving. They're moving around on a microscope slide. You see them like little power boats running around. These highly motile parasites, this highly motile parasite is most likely to be associated with which one of the following? So, I didn't tell you where the specimen came from. All right, so, you're going to have to figure that part out and say, well, I think it came from somewhere. So, just a motile parasite. The little motorboats. Let's see what people thought. Ah, good. So, this was what parasite? Trichomonas. Trichomonas. Thank you very much. Okay, so there are a few of the parasites that are the real bad actors. And they, they are the ones that really cause the vast majority of the real serious diseases of the developing countries. This is going to be one of those. So let's look at this. Five-year-old Ugandan child with fever and seizures. This is a bad combo. I was in Uganda at the time, I was visiting a, 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 a PA, physician's assistant, uh, uh, with that level of training, working alone in a clinic, and they had like 20 kids out in the waiting room. So while I'm with him, nurse comes and says, the kid out here in the waiting room is having a seizure. We go out, and this is the child. He's having a seizure while we're looking at him. And there's some other things to observe about that. See the mom's dress here? Just soaked with his sweat. He's high fevers. What is the most likely cause of this child's fever and seizures? Okay, so we got a few options up there. Let's see what people think. Am I obscuring your view? Are you okay? Can you see all right? Good. All right. Let's see what people think. Okay, good. So, this is the classic picture of cerebral malaria. Now, meningitis, of course, could cause some of the same symptoms, but meningitis isn't usually about parasites, right? That's usually about a bacterial cause. So, This is not the child smear, but this looked very much like this child smear. We took a quick stick of the finger, wipe it on a slide, and this kid had high-grade parasitemia, p. falciparum. When you get to this high degree of parasites in the the number of red cells that are parasitized, we would we would be talking about exchange transfusions in the U.S. We don't do that in in developing countries, but these are very, very critically ill. And this kid, uh, as far as I know, did all right. Um, Which of the following groups is most at risk when traveling to a malaria endemic area? Okay, so let's think about this. This is what the CDC does is they, they ask When when people come back from travel and they've gotten a a malaria episode, they'll ask them, well, what were you doing in that that area where you were traveling? Why were you traveling there? And then they'll say percentile white. Because, of course, just proportionally, there might be various proportions here. But per 1,000 people traveling for these reasons, which one is the most likely reason that they would come back with malaria? See what people think. If there's a few uh, new people here without a clicker, if, uh, if somebody wants to share a clicker with them. Well, actually, there's one more there up in front, too. Okay, let's see what people think. Okay, this is absolutely correct. 50% of you knew that. So, somebody who got that answer right, tell us why that, is, why that group is, is at such risk. Somebody who got it right. Or did, did everybody just guess? they think they're immune because they, they, you know, they grew up in that area. That's so, the bingo. They don't, take they don't take prophylaxis. They think they're immune. Hey, I grew up there. It's my family. I'm just going home to visit them. But once they, once they come to uh, a non-endemic area, their immunity, which is only partial in the first place, wanes. And then they're much more likely to get a serious uh, problem because they're going to say, I don't need prophylaxis. So we said, I, I had a friend who was a Kenyan, came to the U.S., went and traveled back to, the US, to Kenya, and came back and was seen in Southern California several times by various doctors for a fever. And they, each, they gave him some, what, amoxicillin? Then they said, well, the amoxicillin didn't work. Let's try some ciprofloxacin. Nobody asked him, Did you do any traveling? Oh, yeah, sure, I went home. I was just visiting my family. Where? His wife actually calls me in Spokane from California and says, you know, I think my husband's got malaria, but nobody will believe us. (laughs) Get the doctor on the phone. You know, so this is the reason they get it, because he didn't take prophylaxis. Okay, here's a case from Mexico. A healthy 35-year-old male presents with fever and right upper quadrant abdominal pain for two weeks. He returned from a summer in Mexico four weeks ago. And while he was there, he had one week of low-grade fever with a non-bloody diarrhea near the end of his stay. It gradually got better. Here's my favorite parasitology expert. Just one in. <laughs> malaria expert anyway. <laughs> so he so this person has a temperature of 38.5. That's a little bit up, right? Other vital signs are okay. And the abdomen is a little tender in the right upper quadrant there. So he's not anemic. His platelets are normal. He's still got a little bit of a white count there, but no eosinophilia. So one of the things about parasites that we, we talk about is say, let's ask and see if they've got eosinophilia, because that's one of the things associated with parasites, right? But this group of parasites, the, the number one, I forgot what this group was, the protozoa. Yeah, they don't tend to do that. They don't tend to produce those eosinophils as much as others. And then the alkaline phosphatase, which is one of the, obstructive signs of liver disease, right? So it's got a little bit of an obstructive picture there. Urine's normal, HIV's negative, and this is a picture of the liver. It's got a big hole in it. Okay. Which of the following is the most appropriate next step in management? So this is another two-stage question, right? So I'm not asking you what that is, but I'm asking you what's the next appropriate step in management. So click your clickers and so we can either say we're going to drain it, we're going to get a head CT and look for cysts and treat it with IV ceftriaxone, we're going to get the diagnostic serology, treat with metronidazole, we're going to call a surgical consult. So it's pretty big, pretty big collection there, so got your choices. Let's see what people think. All right? All right, so over half of you got the right answer. Check diagnostic serology and treat with metronidazole. This is one of those abscesses that doesn't always have to be drained. What is it? It's amoebic abscess. It's an amoebic liver abscess. And what did he have before? He had this little diarrheal thing. What what was that? So that was the amoebic colitis or amoebic enteritis. So he got that amoeba and in the, in the, in, caused a diarrheal illness. Then that got better. But what it did was it traveled to the liver and set up shop there. And that's the later manifestation and actually a more serious uh, manifestation of, of uh, that particular parasite. Okay, so here's the Entamoeba histolytica. One of the characteristic things about it when you look at it under the microscope is that it eats red blood cells. So in the stool, you find these protozoa, single cell things. They look like white cells in some respect, but they're chewing up, they're eating red cells. So that's one of the clues. Okay. We're doing pretty good here. That's the clue that there's kids around who don't have a parasite. (laughs) And we're transitioning to the second digit, which is what? The nematodes. The nematodes, the roundworms, okay? So that's, you just finished protozoa. We're doing great. Okay, so one of the, one of the, I'm just telling you a few classic presentations. So you say, well, I heard about that, you know, that parasite. This one's called itchy butt. <laughs> right? So... There's a lot of parasites that relate to itchy butt, and so I'm going to tell you a few of those. So this is a thing that's a very, very simple test called a scotch tape test. Just put this scotch tape on and pull it off and put it under the microscope, and you see these eggs. So what is this? This is pinworm. Yeah, very, very easy diagnosis to make. Apply that sticky tape to the, the, the anus and then pull it off. And those eggs are generally quite easy to see. They're big, uh, relatively big eggs. So, uh, And they have that kind of oval shape with a dent on one side. So it's a little bent on. It's more flat here and curved that way. The so pinworm is the only one that looks like that. Okay, so this child has some non-bloody diarrhea and a painful rectum that also itches. So he's, he's got a, 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 a separate problem here you can see. But let's see what this child. Which of the following parasites is the most likely cause of that condition that we saw there? So make your vote. Okay, oh, we got a wide variety of ideas here. Okay, so um, the correct answer is whipworm. So whoever did this group, I can pat themselves on the back, right? You did a good job. So what was it that was, what was in that prior picture? Let me see if I can go back. What? what was that condition? What, was the, what, what are we seeing there? Rectal it's rectal prolapse, right. This is a kid who's been straining a stool and just the, the rectum just ends up prolapsing right out. And so it's said that this is a, one of the more common causes of that. And you can actually see the little whipworms there. You see them on the, on the prolapsed rectum? That's a difficult condition to... I mean, you can treat the worm. That's easy enough. But the prolapsed rectum is a more difficult challenge. I'm not going to uh, try to go into that. Okay. Here's the, uh, another picture of those whipworms. They actually do look like a whip. They've got a, a, a thicker stem here. And then they get a very thin whip. They look like a, actually a little bull whip. And... Uh, Here's the the thin part of the worm and then the thicker part. So that's another classic, relatively common, roundworm, intestinal roundworm. Also called tricurus. Okay, so this is another parasite. Anybody want to say which one this is? This is ascaris. This is the... What plays worm ball in your intestine, right? This is a bunch of ascaris worms all uh, in a big worm ball. Okay, so here's a picture that's very, very common in developing countries, rural areas. And, and for those, many of you who have spent time in rural developing countries, you see this. This little child, you've seen many, many times. Right? So little protuberant belly there. You see a little, the skin looks like it's starting to get a little flaky. Some changes in the color of the skin. Um, looking a little malnourished. If you look at the conjunctiva of the eye, pale as a ghost. Just really white. And you're going, this kid is really Anemic. Even just grossly, you can tell they're anemic. But they don't have a fever. So malaria, for instance, would be one of those reasons why you'd get anemic from breaking all your red cells. They just lice. But this one isn't that, although they can often be together. So this kid has abdominal pain. And if you were able to test for it, you could show that he had iron deficiency. And he has these eggs in the stool. So what is this Roundworm. What is this nematode? Ubiquitous everywhere, all over the world. And a, this is one of the bad actors uh, when it gets to be in large numbers. What is this? This is hookworm. Yeah, this is hookworm. And hookworm is called the, you know, the, the, the vampire of the, of the parasites. It, um, I think my next picture here... If, yeah, so this, is, this is the mouth of the hookworm, and those teeth lock onto the intestinal mucosa. And by the you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of these, in the intestine, and they're just sucking blood. They're, suck, they're, they're like a, a, a tiny leech, but they, they latch on with those teeth, and they can take a lot of blood over a period of time. Uh, from a child. So this is one of the more common causes of anemia and iron deficiency in developing countries. Is that more in the small intestine than the large intestine? Um, <clears throat> mm. No, I don't. Uh, I'm trying to make sure I, I can say this with any accuracy. Uh, there, there, it, it's probably more in the small intestine, uh, but I'm not going to give you that for, for sure. I would look that one up. But I think they're mostly in the small intestine. Okay, so here is something that it looks, if you look at this under the microscope, this is the Strongyloides. This looks just like hookworm if you see it in a, lar- in a, uh, in a larval stage. These little, little tiny worms are about uh, a centimeter long. They're very, very tiny. They look just like hookworms. But this one is, causes a little rash here around the anus. So we got another cause of itchy butt. Another itchy butt. But this one, you see these little lines here? The parasite re-enters the skin. Like hookworm has to go into the soil and then incubate a little while, and then it comes back through the skin. Strongyloides doesn't have to do that. It can, comes to the end of the intestinal tract and says, I'm coming back for another round. So re-enters here or at the terminal uh, uh, colon and then cycles back through. And so this parasite can last for decades. And so even people who have been out of a risk area for many, many decades, we see military people in this setting, can still have strongyloides. So here's a kid who has an x-ray of hyperinfection. So kids get on steroids, they get a they get a, a, a an immune suppressive drug, and all of a sudden these these little parasites start saying, Hey, it's a free world. Look at all this stuff here. And it starts migrating, goes to the lungs, and these uh here's the parasite in the sputum now. And that can be a fatal illness. So these are one of the things, even people who are undergoing anesthesia can get a critical illness from strongyloides. Okay, so here's, I think, one of the last of the roundworms I'm going to show you. And this is what is elephantiasis. And this is caused by lymphatic obstruction. So this is a tissue roundworm, gets into the lymphatics, and then blocks the lymphatic drainage. And then you get these giant limbs, See, uh, common in uh, this. I think this picture is from the Philippines, but uh, it's seen in many parts of the world, elephantiasis. Okay, so this is a, a friend of mine who has uh, walks with a crutch here. And he has a limb that's bent there uh, that can't touch the ground. What does he have? What did he have as a child? It's not a parasite. He had polio, that's right. That's his son, by the way. Okay, so we're into the, the third digit. This is the, what one was this one now? the cestodes, the tapeworms. Now, the interesting thing about the tapeworms is most of the tapeworms really don't cause much disease. In fact, we're now looking at studies of giving people tapeworms not to lose weight, but to retrain their immune system. So it's a very interesting thing. See, that's just to tantalize you. Think about that. Most of the adult tapeworms, except for maybe the fish tapeworm causes some some diseases that relate to B12 deficiency. But most of the adult tapeworms are not that bad. I'm going to find out something here. A healthy 16-year-old male in China is a friend of mine who's working in a rural area of southwest China. Presents with a seizure. He gets tested Lab and HIV testing were unremarkable, so there's nothing, there's no white count, there's no liver function tests, are normal, kidney functions are normal. This is, he actually sends him into a large center in China and gets an MRI. You see these, this, this still accentuates here, the white spots are, are swelling or edema. This brain lesion is the larval stage of a tapeworm. So, which one is it? You've got a choice up there. You've got four of the classic (coughs) tapeworms. And this is the larval stage, not the adult stage. Okay, let's see what people think. Okay, very good. So, almost 60% got this right. We played with this in the first scenarios. When, the, when we become the pig, that's what, that's what that is. Neurocystosarcosis. And that's a very common cause of, of seizures in the world in developing countries. So when we see people who come from Mexico, for instance, or they come from a refugee camp, a lot of fecal oral contamination in that setting. So when we ingest the eggs, we become the larval stage, just like the pig did. And that's where our, we get... Uh, cystocercosis from, and this is showing the cysticerci in the brain, cerebral or neurocysticercosis, it's also called. Here it is in the muscle. If you eat pork and then you these little cysticerci are uh, would give you the adult tapeworm, which wouldn't be of any great consequence. This is a. Uh, Fish tapeworm, and uh, you can tell it's got very short segments. But you, could, this is the called the broad tapeworm. Here's a bigger picture of it in the background. So it's got a very very broad uh, tapeworm. But this again, one doesn't cause a lot of disease, except uh, it can be related to B12 deficiency. So this, these are the tapeworms, not not really too bad uh, players. Here's a a child from Sudan with an abdominal mass. He's 11 years old, uh, and five months ago, his parents noticed he was had a gradually swelling abdomen. He's he doesn't have a fever. He's thin, not in any distress, and is he has this swelling or mass in the right upper quadrant of his abdomen. In his ultrasound. Somebody here who knew Rob Congdon, anybody know Rob? That's, this is my friend here, she knows. But Rob is working in southern Sudan and he sent me a lot of pictures and ultrasounds. He's out there in, in, in very in rural settings with an ultrasound machine going and taking amazing pictures. It's, it's fantastic. So these technologies are starting to disperse and give people in a very rural setting the ability to take pictures and... I get a picture from him almost every week of something that he's found. Um, So it shows a complex chambered mass with this dimension in the right lobe of the liver. So this is actually a path specimen of what would be found if you went into that hole in the liver. Anybody want to say what this is? It's not a fluke. We're not to the flukes yet. We're still in the tapeworms. No takers? This is Echinococcus. So remember the two things that cause the hole in the liver. Amoeba and Echinococcus. Those are the two that cause the hole in the liver. This one can cause a single or uh, multi-loculated cyst. These are both larval stages of tapeworms. So... This is what it looks like on a little sac. And then these are the little scolices of the next uh, adult tapeworm. If you were to eat this, then you'd develop the adult uh, uh, tapeworm there. And this is an adult, this is the dog tapeworm. So there's the adult that's usually in a, in a dog. OK, here's a photo from Rob to tell us that we're transitioning to a new topic in our last three minutes. This is not a parasite. Anybody recognize what this is? Something that people who work in areas where there's a lot, where where kids eat just basically a corn diet, they have a very, they get a deficit that causes a. Because Saul's necklace here, it's not iodine deficiency. That would cause the goiter, yes. right? This is a rash. It causes dermatitis, diarrhea, niacin deficiency, right? So this is pellagra. This is classic pellagra. So I'm just throwing you through a few things that aren't parasites. It's a bonus, by the way. Okay, so we're into, our, we're into our fourth category and then we're going to just race through the last. Only one of the flukes now. 43-year-old Ethiopian male. In fact, in this case, this fellow and his father both presented at the same time with almost identical symptoms. Um, He'd had, one year ago, he had noted some blood in his urine. Two months, no fevers. Left Ethiopia a year ago. No hepatosplenomegaly. Urine dipstick is positive for blood. He's got a little bit of an anemia here. In fact, it was iron-deficient type Anemia. And he's got a little bit of liver enzyme up. And this is a bladder biopsy. So because he's got blood in his urine, he gets cystoscope, biopsy, something seen in the wall. And this is what they come up with. This, in fact, is a parasite egg. It's got a little pointy thing there on the end that tells you it is one of the most important fluke parasites, which is which one? Schistosomiasis. Schistosomiasis. Very good. So, oops, I I blew it. That was my last question there. So what do you think? (laughs) (laughs) All right, so this one was uh, schistosoma hematobia. Um, And so this is one of those that penetrates the skin for kids who are swimming and then they they get the obstruction of the portal system and get ascites that looks like a person who's an alcoholic. This is the the risk. Okay, so the last category, uh, the ectoparasites. So what is the most likely cause of this rash? Scabies. Look between the fingers, the little papules there. That's scabies. There's the scabies mite. There's the scabies eggs. If You can uh, do some diagnostic testing. What is this? This is an AIDS patient. Pardon? Very good. Say a little louder. This is really, really... This is just loaded with scabies mites. When, in fact... Uh, it's not this picture, but a friend of mine who was taking care of a fellow looked just like this, ended up with scabies himself before he realized that that's what the patient had. So these are just loaded with scabies mites. Very, very severe uh, disease. Here's a picture of a kid who traveled to uh, Costa Rica, came back with multiple spots on the skin, looked like little pustules. And and coming. It's coming. She wants multiple choice? Uh, there it is. My eye assist. So, this is the fly larva that gets laid on the clothes and then uh, it hatches in the skin. It's like bot flies in if you deal with horses. We're in Kentucky, by the way. So, this is what happens if they try to take them out. You can take them out in various ways. And the last one hotbed of national epidemic nationwide. What is this? Bed bugs. This is the bed bugs. And this is what they this is how you tell the bed bugs bites they eat breakfast lunch. breakfast, lunch and dinner. Okay. So that's the end of our session here. I think we're right on time. If you have other questions or you would like to talk more about parasites, I'd love to meet you afterwards. Thank you for participating. If you if you have one of the clickers, please drop them into uh, up here in the little black uh, box.